Ukraine is under attack from Russia. Around 0500 on EET, which is UTC plus two, on February 24th, 2022, Vladimir Putin announced a special military operation in eastern Ukraine. Minutes later, missiles began to hit locations across Ukraine, including the capital, Kiev. On today's episode of On-Chain Experiments, we're going to take a look at how crypto and Web3 plays a part in this Ukrainian conflict with Russia. We'll start off with a very, very brief history because I am not a historian. We'll then go into how does crypto Twitter come into play with the Russia-Ukraine war. And then following, we'll talk about how blockchains are responding, including takes from both Binance and Ethereum. Make sure you're taking care of yourself, drink water, help the people around you, take care of yourself, strap in, we're going to get started. Hope you enjoy. We're going to kick off this episode with some light history. Keep in mind, I am not a historian, nor do I follow politics too much. As a result, I'm going to try to keep this clip under one minute. Despite being an independent country since 1991, as a former Soviet Republic, Ukraine has been perceived by Russia as being part of its sphere of influence. NATO's presence in Ukraine is a red line issue for the Kremlin. Last quote is coming from the same Wikipedia article from the NATO Secretary General, Jens Stoltenberg. It's only Ukraine and 30 NATO allies that decide when Ukraine is ready to join NATO. Russia has no veto, Russia has no say, and Russia has no right to establish a sphere of influence to try to control their neighbors. All of these quotes came from the decentralized Wikipedia. Check out the Wikipedia link to learn more, and please do your own research. Up next, we're going to take a look at crypto Twitter. First tweet is from you, Sleepwalker. He's a Ukrainian citizen that says, My Ukrainian credit cards don't work anymore. I'm safe physically in Kazakhstan, but all my savings are gone. Crypto is the only money I still have, and today I can say without exaggeration that Bitcoin, Ether, and NFTs are going to save my life while I can't come back home. From Reuters, Ukraine's government raises crypto worth $8 million in a crowdfunding appeal. From Crypto Man Ran, Europe is arming Ukraine with weapons, Crypto Twitter is arming Ukraine with funds. Last tweet from on a pittance, U.S. just sent $350 million in military aid to Ukraine, while people online are sharing fundraisers to donate money and crypto directly to the Ukrainian military. Three key observations here. Three key takeaways from crypto Twitter's response to the Russo-Ukrainian war. One, true digital ownership. Two, decentralized support, decentralized support. And three, direct intervention versus indirect financial support. First, true digital ownership. We're seeing citizens that, in theory, have money in their Ukrainian bank accounts. As a result of the war, they don't have access to those funds. They do not have access to that money. They are kind of SOL, shit out of luck, if they don't own crypto. But luckily, if you do own your own private keys and you hold your crypto... Even if your government takes away your funds or your government goes to war, you still have access to your Bitcoin, your Ether, any other money, any other crypto that you have if you own your cryptographic keys. Nobody can take your crypto away. Your government can take away your fiat currencies. They cannot take away your crypto. 
Second, centralized support versus decentralized support. Centralized support being something like a country like the United States giving support to Ukraine or an institution like NATO giving support to the Ukraine. Decentralized support being a bunch of random pseudonymous or anonymous actors uh, supporting, whether that's a local community or individuals, um, two different ways to approach supporting a government. Both are existing in this conflict. We're seeing centralized institutions like the United States, Britain, NATO countries, as well as decentralized support, a bunch of random pseudonymous actors sending funds, putting their time, effort, whether it's even just like posting on their Instagram story that they support Ukraine. Um, this is the first war we're really seeing a massive decentralized wave of support uh, to support Ukraine. And third, direct intervention versus indirect financial support. Direct intervention is something like the U.S. literally sending hundreds of millions of dollars of troops and military support into the country. And this is juxtaposed by um, a lot of people sending support to the Ukrainian government and just giving, giving money to the Ukrainian government versus putting our forces there. When the U.S. and when other NATO nations send their troops over to Ukraine, this adds pressure and tension to the conflict. And you can see it in a lot of the conversations. Russia feels more threatened and tensions are heightened because outside forces with outside priorities are sending in their troops and posting up. Um, this can be helpful, but it can also increase tensions in a way that aren't necessarily beneficial to de-escalating the conflict. Juxtapose that with indirect financial support where a bunch of actors are just sending funds to Ukrainians' government so that they can make the best choice, knowing what the context is, knowing what the tensions are like in the region, knowing how their local people and their relationships with other nations are going to respond, the Ukrainian government can make the best choice. Hey, do we need to pay more people to join our military? Do we need to send money to feed our local citizens and provide safe shelter? Do we, like, giving money to the Ukrainian government allows the local decentralized, again, decentralizing, uh, decentralizing the response, decentralizing and dispersing those funds to the localities that need it most, as opposed to us taking a big stick approach as the U.S. and just saying, oh, we're going to come in and, like, heavy-handedly overbear um, these people and enforce our mental model. Um, both might be needed, both might not be needed, but very, very interesting how uh, visible the difference of these two approaches are being seen. And I'm very excited to see how people pick this apart to really see uh, how effective is indirect support, how effective is decentralized support compared to what has been historically seen in conventional warfare of direct centralized support. And with that, we're going to wrap up the crypto Twitter coming into play with a bunch of like random decentralized takes. And we're going to move now into big major blockchains and how blockchains are responding to this event. We're going to take a look at two blockchains responding to the Russia-Ukraine war. The first is going to be a centralized blockchain, Binance, and the second is going to be a decentralized blockchain of Ethereum. Before we jump into the centralized response, quickly taking a look at China's response. This is going to play in with Binance. Russia and China have been developing ever closer diplomatic relationships. However, after Russia made its public pronouncements that they're going to send troops into Ukraine, the Chinese government urged all sides to de-escalate tensions in Ukraine. The Chinese government 
thinks that it cannot be seen to support a war in Europe, but also wants to strengthen military and strategic ties with Moscow. So China's really not picking sides right now. They don't want to align themselves with either party. They just want this war to kind of de-escalate publicly and officially. That being said, CZ at Binance, the founder of Binance, made a tweet two hours ago that said, Binance is donating $10 million to help the humanitarian crisis in Ukraine, and Binance BCF launched the crypto-first crowdfunding Ukraine Emergency Relief Fund. Our focus is providing on-the-ground support. We just care about people. The CEO of Binance has announced that Binance, the company that runs the Binance blockchain, is running a $10 million fund to support Ukraine. Note that Binance is based out of China, and although China is not sending any support to either side, Binance is. Now let's jump over to Ethereum and take a look at the founder of Ethereum, Vitalik Buterin's response. On February 24th, Vitalik Buterin made a tweet that was in Russian. I cannot read Russian, so I'm going to translate it into English. I'll include a link to all of these tweets in the show notes, so if you want to read the original source tweet, just check out the show notes. Translated from Russian to English, it says, very upset by Putin's decision to abandon the possibility of a peaceful solution to the dispute with Ukraine and go to war instead. This is a crime against the Ukrainian and Russian people. I want to wish everyone security, although I know that there will be no security. Glory to Ukraine. Vitalik followed up by saying, reminder, Ethereum is neutral, but I am not. The biggest point I want to make here is the difference in how much control the founder of a blockchain has if that blockchain is more or less decentralized. If a blockchain is highly decentralized, something like Ethereum, the founder can have their own biased beliefs. Vitalik can have a biased belief and support one country and say, I value Ukraine. But Vitalik cannot ultimately change how the blockchain operates um, and his overall role in influencing the decentralized network of Ethereum miners is way less than that of a chain like Binance. Binance, being highly centralized, can have much closer ties between the leader's belief in the blockchain itself. So when CZ, the founder and CEO at Binance, says, hey, we support Ukraine, one, they can deploy a fund directly out of that blockchain's profits to support whichever side they feel matters, and if they wanted to continue to go down that route and support Ukraine even more, they could even filter transactions that are happening because they, again, control the majority of the miners. So if they want to include transactions from Ukraine or from Russia, they can choose to filter and censor out different transactions if they really chose to. This, again, is a very stark difference between what happens on a centralized blockchain like Binance. One, it's really cool that they are deploying $10 million in funds to support Ukraine. It's awesome when it works in the favor of what we believe, but what happens if they wanted to use that power not for good, if they wanted to use it to support Russia or to support um, an authoritarian government? Although right now we appreciate that they're leveraging their centralized forces to support Ukraine, overall this opens up the examination of, well, what happens if CZ didn't align with our beliefs? Or what if China wanted to force uh, Binance's hand to not support Ukraine? That is something to just, an open question to consider. 
Vitalik has very little control over Ethereum, although he is considered a thought leader and a lot of people do respect him. The miners are very decentralized in Ethereum. It's one of the most decentralized blockchains out there, arguably the most decentralized blockchain out there. Whereas Binance is a highly centralized blockchain and just taking a moment to examine and ask open questions around the biggest blockchains in the world, the power that they have to support and shape the outcomes of major global conflicts in conventional warfare, and taking this to fuel your own research to ask the question, which type of blockchains do you want to be running your on-chain experiments on? Do you care whether it's centralized or decentralized? If you don't care, um, it might impact you differently than if you do care. The last note I'm gonna make here is for me, decentralization is incredibly important. Pushing all leadership, all decisions out to the edge, um, to the people that it impacts most. Decisions should be made by local communities. They should be made by individuals. They should be made on the smallest scale possible. And then together we can form a larger and larger community of small, very incentivized, very empowered decentralized actors can create an emergent community that forms out of a, a series of decentralized and empowered actors. To wrap up this episode, I'm going to repeat Vitalik Buterin's tweet. Reminder, Ethereum is neutral, but I am not. Blockchains are neutral. Your on-chain experiments are very neutral. I, uh, Sweetman.eth, as a podcast host, am not neutral. I am not a supporter of conventional warfare. I am not a supporter of Russia extending its sphere of influence to try to control um, Ukraine. I am not a supporter of centralizing power. I'm a supporter of decentralization. I'm a supporter of making love, not war, of making art, not war, of treating humans with respect, treating all life with respect. There are a lot of nuances with this. Um, I hope my take has been helpful with fueling your opinion, but please don't let it be the only take that you listen to. Go out, continue to do your own research, support who you want. And the action item I'm going to give you is please do your own research. If you feel called to support one side or the other, do not underestimate the power of social media. If you don't think you have any power to do anything, do not underestimate the number of people that look to you for an opinion and by you sharing your thoughts, by you sharing your research, by you supporting one side or another, or just making a decision to not support at all. Other people listen. Decentralization matters. You are a node in this decentralized network that is helping fuel this conflict in one way or another. Make your thoughts known to the world so that the best ideas can continue to rise to the top. We're going to see social media is going to have had a very big impact on this war in the same way that we saw Obama and Trump's elections both being heavily influenced by the power of social media for the first time in history influencing public United States elections. This war with Russia and Ukraine, my belief is we're going to see very similar outcomes where social media is playing a heavy impact and it should not be underestimated. Take control, do your small part to influence the outcome of this war, and again, do your own research, um, come up with your own opinions, and stay safe, take care of yourself, very stressful and tentious times. Make sure you're taking time to do kind acts for yourself, do kind acts for the people you love, 
and continue to run your on-chain experiments. Stay safe out there. This is Sweetman.e signing off.